Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right? Doing good? Is it hot enough outside for everybody? Everybody's okay? Is anybody awake at all? Okay, good, good. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or maybe on the internet. We're glad that you guys are along. I want to especially say hey to our West Campus and our Columbia Campus. Today, you are receiving brand new campus pastors. Pastor Ron Hamilton, Ron and Libby, uh, have retired and, and uh, de- deserve, you know, wh- whatever good stuff that they get during this season. And uh, uh, Chris and Abby Russo are going to be our uh, new campus pastors uh, at the West Campus. And then uh, they're coming down from Columbia. And so uh, Matt Benton uh, and his family are moving to Columbia. And today's their first week there. And so let's welcome them all across our campuses. Would you welcome new campus pastors at, uh, at those campuses. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, it's, I tell you, at this campus, it's kind of fun with all the construction going on. I was riding one of those um, trolleys. It kind of feels like Disney World, doesn't it? You've got trolleys. Anybody ride in on a trolley today? And uh, I was riding in with some folks a couple of weeks ago, and one of the kids, you know, when a crumb cruncher about this size, had just gotten out of the car in the parking lot and was on the trolley and did not want to get off the trolley. It was like, no, I, let's do this some more, you know? And so anyway, we're, you know, thanks for your grace and, and uh, just, uh, it's only gonna be about a year. So uh, it'll be all right. So, so uh, occasionally I get the privilege of introducing you to my friends. I wish I could do it more often. I really do, because... Um, I, we've got some incredible ministry friends, and, and this year we're going to introduce you to some new ones uh, in, in the upcoming months. But uh, today I want to introduce you to Matt Fry. Matt and Martha uh, and their uh, daughter are, are here this weekend, and um, Caroline is daughter. And, and uh, they're, they're friends of ours and have been for about, I think, 15 or 16 years, something like that, Matt. And uh, met Matt actually in the foyer here. I think he was celebrating a uh, like a 10th wedding anniversary or something, and, and uh, somebody downtown uh, told him that they ought to go to Seacoast while they're here, and it came by, and then he came back. He'll tell you maybe a little bit about our relationship and, and how we came to know each other a little bit better, but uh, Matt pastors a great church in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. It's actually outside of Raleigh. If you're ever around Clayton, I don't know if you've ever been to Clayton. They actually are in a town called Cleveland, North Carolina, which doesn't exist, it's not there. It's, I swear I've never seen a town there. Uh, but they say there's a town. And first time I went, um, they, he told me, well, it's in the Raleigh area. And, and so we're on this country road, Cleveland Road or something, and there's nobody. They, I mean, there's just nothing. And we keep driving and driving and come around a corner and there's this tobacco field with this monster mega church in the middle of a tobacco field. And Thousands of people coming, and I said, there's something good going on here. And uh, I'm an overseer in that church now and preach there um, fairly regularly every year or two and, and uh, just love it. Uh, Matt and I served together on the ARC board, um, the, the uh, church planning board. We've planted almost 700 churches now, and we're getting ready to go to Orlando this week uh, to strategize and plan with the ARC uh, uh, board 
uh, some things going on this year. Listen, this year we've got like 150 churches on the books, and that's just in America. We've planted 27 churches in the last two years just in China, in the, in the urban cities of China. It's so exciting. It's just exploding everywhere. It really is. And... Uh, so I said, Matt, on the way down, why don't you stop? He just wrote a book. It's a great book. It's called I Am. It's just a couple weeks or months old. And Matt, did I endorse this? I think I did. Am I in there somewhere? I think so. I think it should be toward the beginning. Is it toward the beginning? Chris Hodges, Brian Houston, Joe Champion. Where am I, Matt? I'm not sure you got me in here. I guess I'm just going to preach this week. <laughs> anyway, give Matt a little extra time for what I just took out of the message. But uh, uh, I asked Matt if he'd come share some of the principles, so it's so good. Even if I am not in it, I know I endorsed it, but it's so good. I am, it's called, the encounter of the one who gives you purpose and peace in a crazy world. How many of you could use a little bit of that? And uh, so would you stand and give a warm, low country, upstate, wherever you happen to be, welcome to Matt Fry, my friend, as he comes. <laughs> Love you, bro. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus, you guys. Come on. Let's give him all the praise. Before you sit down, look at somebody and say, you're looking good today. Come on. Everybody looks good in Charleston. You got a suntan. How do you guys stay so skinny down here with the amazing food you have? The Charleston shrimp and grits. They got shrimp and grits. I said, Pastor Matt, we got shrimp and grits for you this morning. I'm like, you know it's a good day when shrimp and grits shows up, even for breakfast. I'll just be eating on that all day long. So you guys doing well? Awesome. I want to talk to you today about what label are you wearing? What label are you wearing? And I'm so honored to be here at the amazing Seacoast Church and uh, with your pastor, Greg and Debbie and amazing team here. The, I love the whole Surratt family and the whole Seacoast family. You guys are really family to, to Martha and I and to C3 Church. And a little background uh, about your pastor. Um, you know he's pretty awesome, right? Pretty awesome. So I was a young pastor. Our church started in 1998. We started in a little elementary school cafeteria. And a few years into it, uh, God blessed us with a piece of property, an old 33-acre tobacco farm. And we built our first building, a, a little 500-seat uh, warehouse kind of facility. And we were so excited. And God was doing some great things. But I was on the inside really lonely and hurting. You ever had a time in your life where people looked at you and they thought maybe you had it all together and everything looked great, but on the inside, you're hurting, you're lonely? Well, that's where I was as a young pastor uh, starting a church, and I'd never been a pastor before. I didn't really know how to do it. I didn't know what to expect and got blindsided by a couple of things and <clears throat> kind of discouraged. Actually, to be honest with you, I share the story in, in the book uh, that I wanted to quit. So I came down here to Charleston, uh, made an appointment with, with your pastor, Pastor Greg, and uh, I said, you know, can, can I get a, a little, I thought maybe just a few minutes, maybe a cup of coffee. Well, what ended up being, uh, I thought a cup of coffee, we, we went golfing all day, 
And I don't golf, but they said, if you want to spend time with Greg, uh, he golfs on Monday. So I said, okay, sign me up for golf. And it was a disaster. And I know it was horrible for Greg to watch me golf, but uh, I took out a lot of frustration <laughs> at the golf balls, you know, so the golf balls are going random places. And, and uh, I'll never forget, I, thought, I was thinking about this yesterday. It kind of hit me that it was exactly 15 years ago. Of course, we'd met briefly before that. 15 years ago this summer, that we're sitting in a Starbucks right here in the Mount Pleasant area, and uh, we're sitting there, and I'm sharing with him how much I'm hurting and how much, really, I kind of wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. I wanted to, I actually asked him, I said, are you hiring? Because I might come work for you. <laughs> and he never answered that question. I'm still waiting to answer on that. <laughs> and, uh, but, so I was telling him about how much it hurt and how some people had said things about me. I wasn't quite expecting that. I thought, you know, being a pastor would be just, We'd all float around like angels and sing kumbaya and, you know, just all be nice and hug each other every day. And I realized, you know, being a pastor is hard and challenging. So he listened to me and he took some time to, to just hear my story. And he did mostly just listening. And he basically said, Matt, that's part of, a, part of being a pastor, you know, welcome to being a pastor. And uh, that, that's, that's part of the deal, part of a growing church. Not everybody's going to stay with you forever. And some people are with you for a season, and, and not everybody's going to be with you forever. So uh, he gave me the encouragement to come back. That was 15 years ago. And to see what God has done. About that time, the ark was just starting, the association of related churches. And now we get to partner together to plant life-giving churches. And Greg and I have been to India together. We've taken, oh, maybe at least a half a dozen or more trips to India together. Lots of stories with that. And and to see all the lives that have been changed since then, we've seen, even at our church, over 2,500 people saved and baptized. Uh, and uh, I've gotten to baptize all three of my kids. And all that I've seen that we've experienced since then, I, I just want you to tell, that, tell you that I don't know that I'd be where I am right now if it wasn't for your pastor. I just want you to know how much I love him, and I thank God for you. And... Uh, there would be no I am book. <laughs> I don't know what C3 Church would be like. Maybe it might be better than it is, but anyways. But, um, I am so thankful for you. I love your pastor, and, and it's just an honor to be here. We're going to have an awesome time today. I want to talk to you today about labels. I talk a little bit about this in the book, and, and if you're interested, uh, I'm just going to say this. You can go to the website, EncounterTheGreatIM.com. You can access everything there. There's videos you can download. There's guides and, and books and small group guides and all the resources that you might need. But today, I want to talk to you today about these labels that sometimes we wear in life. You know, life has a way of humbling you, right? Jesus tells us to, or God's Word tells us to humble ourselves. And I've learned that if I don't humble myself, Life has a way of humbling me. So you might as well just go ahead and humble yourself right now, right? Look at somebody next to you and say, humble yourself, right? Because if you're not careful, sometimes if you're like me, you can think like somehow that you're God. Like somehow I'm in control of this whole thing, right? And God reminds me, I'm not in control. He's God. He's the great I am, and I'm not the great I am. Often at my church, when I'm speaking, I will say things that come out wrong, or they come out, you know, different than what I was expecting, or and things that will happen that are unpredictable. And I used to get all like anxious and like uptight and like defensive, you know, when people would start laughing. And then I realized, hey, this is kind of funny. And people ask, why has our church grown so much? I think it's because people just show up to see what crazy thing I'm gonna say next or what random stupid thing I'm gonna do next, right? 
For example, a couple years ago I was preaching and uh, it was, we were having a, our normal Sunday service and I have an office off to, off to the stage and a little restroom in there and which is convenient in case I need to, you know, use the facility, etc. And so I'm up on stage, and we're having, I believe it was like a child dedication and so forth, and um, someone was praying, preparing for the offering. So I, I was looking at the clock, and I thought, you know, I think I, I think I have enough time. I'm not sure I can hold it, so I think I have enough time. So I went to my office, went to the restroom, but I made a mistake, and I left my microphone on. Yeah, you can see where this is going, right? And so it gets worse, by the way. And so, so all of a sudden, my wife, she helps lead worship. She's on the creative team. And she hears this static sound. And of course, she's like, what is that? And so they kind of get word to the tech team. And they're like, There's some, can you fix that static? There's something like, shh, you know. And so the sound team, they don't know what's going on. They're like, I don't understand. What's, they don't realize what's happening. And so they're like turning up and down all these knobs, and they turn down every knob except mine. <laughs> now you can't hear the, the minister that's praying. All you can hear is me. <laughs> and what's worse is my, I'm not, not making this up, my toilet was broken. And it would flush for at least like a minute, just like, <sighs> you know, a whole minute. I'm like, I, had, I have no idea any of this is going on. So I come off on stage and do like what I normally do. What's up, C3? And I said, hey, let's welcome all of our live stream. Come on, aren't you thankful for our live stream? <laughs> and everybody started laughing like you're laughing. I'm like, why are you guys laughing? I don't get this. And then I realized afterwards, they said, that was a really funny thing you said. It was like live stream. I, I liked how you, I said, what do you mean? This, and they explained to me what all happened. And so... I re- people that were at that, spe- at, that, at that service have gone through counseling and therapy. And so <laughs> so they're, they're doing much better now, just a slight nervous twitch. <laughs> but I realized that, if, that, that he is the great I am, right? And I am not the great I am. Today, as we talk about labels, you know, labels are powerful. And I want to show you a few labels that I think Sometimes if we, uh, we look at these labels, it can create some emotion, maybe some interest, maybe some, uh, some anger, <laughs> or maybe some, uh, some cheering. So take a look at these, uh, these labels and logos, and when you see them at all campuses, I want you to kind of shout it out what you think that label is. These are pretty obvious, but I want you to shout out what they are. Take a look. Apple, of course, who has an iPhone, iPad, right? Are you guys Christians down here, Pastor Greg? Are you guys? All right. South Carolina, y'all know what the iPhone is? No, that wasn't nice. That was a North Carolina joke. Stop it, Pastor Matt. All right, here's the next one. Nike, of course. And the motto is, just do it. There's no Nike words up there, but we can see that logo, that label, and we automatically know that's not Adidas, right? It's not New Balance. It's Nike. What's the next one? McDonald's, come on, you can, you can see that from a mile, 100 miles away, right? Golden arches, right? How about the next one? Disney, Disney come on. That'll give you like a little nice warm feeling like Mickey Mouse. I think Pastor Greg's gonna be at Disney World this week, I think, I'm not sure, but I have a feeling he might be going and with his 18,000 grandchildren. And <laughs> for some of you, it brings anxiety, right? I experience a lot of anxiety at Disneyland. All right, what's the next one? Starbucks, hello. 
Martha likes to shop at the mall, and so I'm looking for the coffee shop. Where's the coffee shop? Where's the, where's the Starbucks? I love Starbucks. I love coffee. I don't know if I would be here right now if it wasn't for coffee. We built our church on the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of caffeine. We have a cafe with a Starbucks in our church because we have some addiction issues at our church. All right, and it begins with me. And here's the next one. And he, I see people leaving the church right now. It's like, they're like, what is that? That is, all right. Any Gamecock fans in here? Awesome. How about, we have any more labels? Wow. A lot of Clemson. They had a pretty good year. Pretty good year, right? Let's, can we show them the last one again? The, and the next one? Man, I think it's about... I think Clemson might have the majority here at Seacoast. What are you doing to these people, Pastor Greg? Are you not teaching them the word of God? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. How many you know labels are powerful? And as you see these labels, they can create maybe some emotion, maybe not, maybe some excitement when you see the, your team, or you, maybe some anger, like, I don't like that team, you know? In North Carolina, we have ACC basketball. You got Duke. You got UNC Chapel Hill. You got the NC State Wolfpack which I tend to be an NC State Wolfpack fan, which keeps me on my knees in prayer because they're always the underdog and they always lose the big games. But anyways, that's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> labels are powerful. And sometimes we have labels that are put on us or labels that we put on ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Who has the right to label you? God? Let me tell you three things. You might want to write these down. Number one, the manufacturer. If you manufacture something, you have the right to put a label on it, right? So if you look on your shirt, your jacket, your shorts, your shoes, whatever you're wearing, you're gonna see a label. On your car, there may be a label, a logo. And if you manufacture it, then there's a, you have the right to label it. Number two is an owner. If you own something, you can label it, right? You buy uh, you buy a house, you own a house, you can say, this is the such and such home. This is our home. Welcome to our home. See, I wouldn't come to, I wouldn't go to Pastor Greg's house and start labeling stuff. That would be kind of awkward if I labeled like kitchen, right? Refrigerator, closet, dog. You have a dog? No dog. Cat. I hear you have a lot of cats at your house, right? You love cats? I wouldn't come to your house and label stuff. Why? Because it's not mine. You own it. That would be weird. I wouldn't own Visitors don't label things. Owners label things. And number three, when you purchase something, you have the right to label it. If you buy a book, you buy a backpack, you buy a Bible, you purchase something, you have the right. You can put your name on there. This is my book, my backpack. This is, this is mine. Well, let's think about this. Who manufactured you? Who owns you and who purchased you? Our God who says, I am the great I am. So three things, if you're taking notes, write this down. You can put these, write these on your message notes. Number one, God made you. Everybody say, God made you. In fact, let's turn that around. God made me. God. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us 
long ago. Number two, God owns you. Everybody say, God owns me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. And then thirdly, God purchased you. Everybody say, God purchased me. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. God owns you. God made you. And God purchased you. See, the devil has no right to label you. And often the devil's gonna come and try to label you. And maybe there's some words that were spoken over you as when you were younger, maybe a parent, a teacher, a coach, maybe a friend. It could have been even later on in life, an ex-boyfriend, an ex-girlfriend, an ex-spouse. And someone said things, maybe even a stranger, and you heard these words and, and they just kind of began to stick. See, whenever words are spoken over us, if we're not careful, they can be, become labels and we carry them even into adulthood. And I share actually, uh, even in the I Am book, many examples of times where I kind of found my identity in other things because often we find our identity in our title, our position, what we do, our past failures, and they can become the labels on our life. When I was in second grade, seven years old, at Paragon Mills Elementary School in Nashville, Tennessee, they divided us up into different groups. So they had like the, the slow reading group and then they had the, the average reading group right here and then they had the, the fast reading group. And so they began to tell the students, okay, we're gonna divide you up. And so I immediately went to the fast reading table because my mom always told me I was smart so I thought I was gonna be at the fast reading table. So I sat down there and the teacher came to me and said, now Matthew, you're at the wrong table. You're actually supposed to be here in this middle table. You're, you're an average reader. So... It might sound kind of weird, but even as a seven-year-old, second grade, I kind of had this thought, kind of had this label that I felt like that I'm just kind of, just kind of average. And this might kind of sound silly to you, but kind of growing up, I, kind of, I would even choose classes going into even into, into high school thinking that I was just kind of average. I just wasn't quite that smart. And then later on, I was a freshman in, in high school, and I started wrestling when I was nine years old just as a kid. My older brother wrestled, and and he kind of got me into it, and so I, I, something that I found some success in. And so as a freshman in high school, I went to the state wrestling tournament. I was the first ever from our school as a freshman to go to the tournament. And, uh, and I, in, in, the, in the state tournament, I'm wrestling, and, and the match is tied, and the last second goes into overtime, and the guy gets away from me, and, and I lose by one point in overtime. And of course, I was devastated. I thought I should have won the match. I was frustrated. I felt like it was the ref's fault. It's always the ref's fault, right? And so I remember sitting down on the ground and my muscles are exhausted. I'm 14 years old, right? 14. And I'm laying there. I'm just like exhausted. I've given it my all. I'm upset. I'm discouraged. The coach comes over to me. I'm sure he meant well. I'm sure he was just trying to do the right thing. But he looked at me and he said, of course, the season's over. It's like the last match of the year. He looked at me and said, Matt, you didn't want that bad enough. You could have won that match. You gave up. You didn't want it. You quit. And I remember just sitting there, and those words just began, kind of took over me. And I just felt like this, this label of I'm a quitter. And I began to label, wear that label, and kind of thinking, maybe, well, maybe I am a quitter. Maybe I do give up at the worst time. Then later on in high school, I had a friend that kind of trusted, and maybe you've had this happen to you. You kind of trust a friend, and they kind of turn on you. 
You think they're one way, but they're, they're, they're different than what you think, and this, this person hurt me, and as a result, you know, hurting people hurt people, and I ended up hurting a lot of other people in relationships, ended up hurting a lot of people as a result, and even carried this label of shame into my marriage until I, I got set free from this. Actually, just a couple of years ago, really set free from this shame as the Holy Spirit brought it to the surface that I, I had this label of shame. The devil kind of says, you're filled with shame. And then I went off into college, and I'm still not walking with God. I'm kind of running from him, and I go to college, and, and I'm, now I'm, I'm Matt Fry the wrestler. I got a scholarship to Liberty University, so I thought, well, now I'm, I'm, I'm Matt Fry the wrestler. That's my identity. That's kind of who I am. You ask me who I am. I'm Matt Fry the wrestler. Everybody knows me as Matt Fry the wrestler. That was my identity. And it was at that time, my freshman year in college, where God radically changed my life, and I realized all these things, that I'm not these labels, I'm not the labels of what the devil says I am, but I'm who God says I am. I am a child of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I begin to understand who God says I am because when I encounter the great I am, that's when he will give me the purpose and peace in a crazy world. And in Jesus' name, we can take these labels off today, you guys. We can take these labels off that the devil has put on us and today, I'm believing that you're gonna put on some new labels, some labels of what God says about you, and he looks at you and says, you are my masterpiece. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are more than a conqueror. You are my princess. You are a warrior. You are a world changer in Jesus' name. Come on, we can put on some new labels today. Amen, everybody? Look at the person next to you and say, let's put on some new labels. Come on, look at the other person on the other side. Let's put on some new labels. The first thing we must do is we must discover who we are in Christ, but number two, write this down or underline this in your notes, is we must declare. Everybody say declare. Because if we, don't, if we only discover who we are in Christ and we don't declare who we are in Christ, that's just the first part of it. It's understanding who I am in Christ, my identity is in him, but then second of all, daily declare who I am in Christ. I had no idea the power of declaring who I am. See, our words are powerful. The Bible says that out of our mouth, in fact, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and what else? Death. Death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, we will feel the results of the words that we speak. Our mouth and our words, our tongue has the power of life and death. Even James talks about how our tongue may be small, but it's like a rudder that that can control a huge ship, or it's like a spark that can create a huge forest fire, that our words are so powerful. What you say about yourself will impact your life and impact your future. What words are you declaring over your life? Do we spend more time declaring about what's wrong, our problems, or are we declaring who God says that we are? Are we declaring his promises, or are we declaring his problems? And I've, I've learned personally that the more I declare the problem that I'm dealing with, <laughs> the bigger that problem gets. But the more I declare how, who, who God is, big, the bigger God gets. There's a story in the Bible. Of course, we see that God tells Moses his name. He says, my name is I am. And then if you fast forward, God delivers his people from slavery. You may know the story. And then God sends 12 spies to spy out the promised land. Have you heard of that story? These 12 spies go to spy out the promised land. Well, all 12 of them come back. All 12, and all 12 say that this is a beautiful land. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. All 12 agree there's giants in the land. All 12 realize that this is going to be a challenge. 
But only two of them said, we can take this new land. We can overcome those giants because it's the promised land and our God is bigger than those giants. Does anybody know the names of those two spies that said, we can do this? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua, we named our son Caleb for this very reason, because the Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit. My son just graduated from high school, be entering college this year, and we just declared over him, you're gonna have a different spirit. You're gonna have a positive attitude. You're gonna be a world changer. The other one is Joshua. You know, we, you may know of a lot of, you may have some friends or know some people. You may have even named your children if you have children, maybe Joshua or Caleb, because they were world changers. All 12 of them, had the promised land available to them, but only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, experienced it. Let me ask you a question. Can any of you tell me the names, without looking at your Bible, can any of you tell me the names of the 10 negative spies? Can you give me like five, five of them? One or two? Nope, nobody remembers them. Because people who are negative and critical and always focusing on the problems, they don't change the world. Let me read you the names of these 10 negative spies. Shemua, son of Zakur. Shaphat, son of Horai. Nobody names their kids these names, right? Hey, Shaphat, come over here, right? That'd be really awkward. Igal, son of Joseph. Palti, son of Raphu. Gadiel, son of Sodi. Gadai, son of Susi. Amiel, son of Gamali. Sethur, son of Michael. Nabi, son of Vosi. Geul, son of Meki. Nobody recognizes those names. Nobody names their children after these names, but how many Joshuas do you know? How many Caleb's do you know? As I was reading this, I realized in Numbers chapter 14 that the only difference between the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, and the other 10 were the words that they declared and the promises that they declared. Both Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. Our God is bigger. It's the promised land. Can you imagine? They're like, come on, guys. It's the promised land. God's given it to us. Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. Let's look at this together. Numbers 14, verse 26. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you altogether say. When I read that, it was like a revelation that God did to them exactly what they said. Not what they did, but what they said. The words out of their mouth. And those 10 negative spies never experienced the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb and their descendants. I used to be really, really hard on these 10 negative spies. I preached like, you know, these negative spies, you know. And then the Holy Spirit one day spoke to me and said, sometimes you can be like that. You can be negative. You, you can focus on, kind of pride myself as being kind of an optimistic, kind of positive kind of guy. But the Lord's like, sometimes you can be negative. Sometimes you can focus on the problem rather than focusing on my promises. 
And often, if I'm not careful, I can swing back into that. I'm feeling sorry for myself, and I'm focusing on the problem, and this is a really big deal. And the more I focus on God's promises, the more I see of God. The more I focus on the problems, the problem just seems to get bigger and bigger. But here's the thing. I believe all 12 of those spies could have been history makers. All 12 of them, not just Joshua and Caleb, all 12 of them could have been world changers. The only difference was, because they all had the same promise, the only difference was what they declared. Are we declaring the problem? Are we declaring God's promises? I began to do a lot of research personally, just from my own personal walk of of, of the I am declarations that God has for me because when I encounter the great I am, that's when I discover who I am. So who does God say that I am? And the Bible is filled with things about you and about me that he says that we are. And so I began to do some research and I came up with 33 of my favorite ones for me personally that I thought I wanna take these and I wanna begin declaring them over my life. At that time I had no idea that one day there would be an I am book. (laughs) It was just for my own personal journey. But in the end of the book, in chapter eight, we put all 31 of these I am declarations with scripture and so forth to kind of go along with that. But now we declare these declarations over our life every day. There's 31 for a reason because there's one for every day of the month. And so at C3, our church family, we took these 31 and declared one every day. Families are taking these and, and declaring them together as a family. And I was just talking to a, a school teacher just before this service, and she says, I'm gonna take these declarations and begin declaring them over the children every day. There's power in declaring the promises of God. We can either declare what the devil says about us, or we can declare what God says about us. So I'm gonna read these 31 I am declarations, and I want you to see how powerful they are, and I want you to think about which ones maybe are for you, and say, you know, I wanna grab a hold of that one. That one's for me. And we finished these when I finish declaring these 31 I am declarations over you, we're just gonna celebrate. We're gonna thank God because there's something about just celebrating and thanking him for who God says that we are. So here are the declarations I wanna declare over you today. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by a holy God. I am God's masterpiece. I am made in the image of God. I am forgiven. I am redeemed by God. I am called by name. I am a new creation. The old life is gone. I am greatly loved by God. I am his child. I am an heir of God and co-heir with Christ. I am a member of God's family. I am blessed in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen to be a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart for God. I am his treasured possession. I am precious to God. I am a temple of the living God. I am full and complete, lacking nothing. I am the righteousness of God. I am his ambassador. I am free. I am healed. I am whole. I am more than a conqueror. I am a warrior for Christ. I am wanted. I am significant. I am a citizen of God's kingdom. I am sent by God. I am light 
in the darkness. I am a friend of God, chosen by him, and appointed to bear good fruit. I am his radiant bride, and I'm without spot or wrinkle. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody. In Jesus' name, come on. Let's worship him. He is the great I am. Thank you, Lord. I am a child of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We worship you, God. You're an awesome God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Yeah. 